Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, good morning and welcome to Blue Ridge Church, everyone. My name is Matt, one of the pastors here. I just want to say happy Halloween. Y'all look great in your costumes, okay? Your kids look awesome. Um, and I really appreciate you being here, whether you're here in person, streaming online. We are truly glad that you've joined us. And if it's your first time, don't worry. We're not going to make you feel weird. We're not going to ask you to stand up or do anything embarrassing. We just truly are glad that you're here with us this morning. We've been in this series in parenting. And, and we're going to test your parenting this morning by giving your kids a bag of candy while they're in the kids' church, okay? And we're going to try to apply some of these principles we've been learning over the last few weeks, all right? Uh, but we've been talking about parenting. We have. And, and it's not just for parents, right? It's anyone who really interacts with children on a regular basis. Maybe, uh, maybe you're not a mom and dad, but maybe you're an aunt or uncle, or maybe you're a grandparent, or maybe you're a cousin, or maybe you're a teacher, or maybe you're a volunteer in kids' church, or some sort of way that you interact with children on a regular basis. We've really been able to get some insight into how we're supposed to do it God's way, how we're supposed to, uh, you know, encourage our children, how to treat our kids, how to talk to them, how to interact with them, and really how we can become better parents and give our kids the things that they need to grow up and succeed to become successful adults. And so one of the things we've established in this series is that there's, there's really no blueprint to parenting, Right? There's books, there's classes, there's videos, there's things you can do to improve your parenting, but there's not like a book where you can go to that answers every single question that your, your four-year-old has about existence and life, right? Like, like parenting is hard. There's a lot of things that are difficult when it comes to parenting and even being a guardian of a child to where it's just, it gets frustrating and it can be tiring, right? Parenting is exhausting, I bet you there's so many people in this room right now where you barely made it out the door this morning because uh, you're just tired. I mean, like you're just, you're beat up, like you've got kids, doesn't matter what stage of life they're in, you're exhausted. Uh, I feel that, you know, we've got three kids. I mean, my kids are up at all the hours of the night. I mean, we're wet in beds, we're, you know, getting sick, we've got runny noses, we've got games on weekends, we've got things, like it's exhausting, okay? And I know it, I know a lot of you are exhausted too. Even about a week and a half ago, my kids, they're exhausted, right? Our kids are exhausted too. My three-year-old woke up one time really early about a week and a half ago. And, and when he wakes up early, what he does is he demands cereal, okay? Like he's like, I want cinnamon toast crunch. I want it now. Like, like that's what he wants. And, and I've talked about his cereal issues up here before, but here's his new thing, okay? Th- the three-year-old Rylan. He needs you to pour the milk first before you pour the cereal. I don't know what happened to this kid, okay? I don't know what kind of psychopath he is. But he needs the milk first and then the cereal on top so then he could take the spoon and bury the cereal in the milk, okay? Like, like it's crazy. So we wake up and I pour him his cereal and do everything. And, and so I put it in front of him and he looks at me and goes, I don't want that spoon. I was like, okay, well, there's the drawer. Go and get the spoon that you would like. And so he gets up and goes to the drawer and he's going through the drawer. And, and, and he's, I mean, he's exhausted, right? And he's taking a long time trying to figure out what spoon he wants. And you could see he's slowing down. <laughs> and I'm exhausted. I've got coffee just sitting there watching him at the table. And, and he's slowing down. And you could see eventually he stops and starts looking around like he forgot what he was doing. <laughs> okay? And then I was so tired, I forgot what I was doing. And so we just made eye contact for about 20 seconds. And then, 
And then we went on with our day. Like, that was it. Like, that's kind of life in our house in the morning. Like, it's tiring. It's, it's exhausting. Parenting is a hard job to do. No matter how many kids you have, no matter how old they are or how young they are, parenting is hard. And, and the comforting thing is, is that it's hard for everybody. Right? It's hard for all of us. Like, there's no one in here who's like, mm, parenting's pretty easy. Right? Like, you think it's easy before you have kids, and then you realize it's not as easy as you thought it was going to be. Like, parenting is difficult. Parenting's hard. The comfort is, is that the good news is no one else knows what they're doing either. Okay? We talked about this, that, that there's no experts on parenting, really. Like, none of us know what we're doing. And I think one of the most enlightening things for me growing up in life was to realize that my parents didn't know what they were doing either. Right? Like, if you have young kids, isn't that like one of the most relieving things is to realize that as you grew up that your parents also didn't know what they were doing? (laughs) Like, you grow up thinking they're the professionals, right? They're the pros. They're perfect. They know exactly what to do in every situation. And then you grow up to realize that they're just big kids, right? They're just like you. They're trying to figure it out. They're going through the trial and error of parenting of how to make this work, how to make this happen, and how to get your kids what they need. And, and so that's why one of the things we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks is, is, is really what our children need. Because our kids need things. They need things from us as their parents, as their guardians, as people who are invested in kids' lives in any capacity. There's things that they need from us that if they don't get them from us, they'll probably get them somewhere else. And that might not end as good as we had thought or we had planned. And so that's why we've put over the last couple of weeks uh, such a huge emphasis on giving our children what they need. And it's hard, right? Giving kids what they need is hard because they're not telling us what they need, right? Like they'll tell us what they want, right? Your kid won't tell you what they need, but they'll tell you what they want, even though they might say, I need it, right? They'll say things like, I need a car or I need toys. I don't know how many parents we have in here, but if, you, if you're a parent, you probably got this in the mail over the last couple of weeks. Target is sending out these catalogs of like 70 pages filled with toys, right? Just tons and tons of toys. I see some of you are like shaking your head, like you got this one too, right? There's tons of toys. It's just this like this book of toys where these kids can look through and see what Target has. And and it's terrible, but it's also pretty awesome as a parent, right? And so my five-year-old, he gets this and he's like, oh, I'm going to make a list for Santa. And so he gets his marker out and we get in the car and he's going through this catalog and he's like, Oh, I need this. And so he circles it. Oh, I definitely need this and circles that. And he's going through this whole book. Every page, every toy is circled. I need this, right? Kids think they know what they need, right? I need toys, need money, need car, need new clothes. I need a new phone. Like We need these things, right? But they don't really need those. They want those, right? Kids will tell you what they want, but they're not really going to tell us what they need. Like, your kid's not going to come up to you and tell you that they need to be valued more in the home. Okay, like, your five-year-old daughter is not going to come up to you and tell you that she needs more quantity and quality time, like we know that they need. Right? They're not going to come up and tell you what they need because they don't realize what they need. And so the hard part of parenting is figuring that out and then figuring it out as how we as parents and guardians are going to give to them the things that they need to equip them to be successful in life. And so that's why for the last couple of weeks, we've listed off a bunch of different things that your kids desperately need from you as their parent, as their guardian, if we want them to succeed in life. 
And so we're going to do that this morning and continue and, and do about three more uh, of things, important things in your kid's life that they need. And so if you want to take notes this morning, you can go ahead and fill this in for learning number one. It's the first thing your kids need from you as their parent is we need to be constantly encouraging our children. We need to be encouraging our kids. We need to be our kids' biggest fans. I mean, even adults, right, we could say this, we need encouragement. Like, we need to be believed in. We need to be valued. We need to be, you know, whether that's in the workplace or that's our relationships, we need to be encouraged. And even more so for kids, kids need to know that you value them. They need to know that you care about them. They need to know that they matter to you. And you might think, you know, they know that. I've told them that before. But, but kids forget things really quick, right? You could tell a kid something and within 30 seconds, they forgot everything you tell them, right? Unless it's like, we're going to get candy, right? Then they'll remember that for the whole week, right? But kids need to be reminded that they're smart, that they're capable, that they're valued, that they're special, that they're loved, that they're being thought of, that they're, that they're uh, as, as kind of like the way the Bible speaks of it, as, as a reward to parents. Kids need to be valued because uh, really, when it comes to encouragement, they need it if, they want to become, if we want them to become self-confident. If we want them at some point to become self-sufficient people where we don't have to do everything for our kids, then we need to be encouraging them in their lives. And I think that's somewhat of the goal of parenting, isn't it? Or at least one of the goals of parenting is to get your child to a place in life where you don't have to do everything for them, right? Where you don't have to tell them, for the 37th time, for the love of God to please put on your shoes now, right? Like anyone feel me on that one? Like it is hard, right? It is, it is hard to, to be the person who's doing everything for your kids all of the time, all day long. I mean, in kids, here's the thing. Kids have a way of making the most simplest tasks seem impossible. They do. Things you never thought would be a struggle in your life become impossible with kids. Like, for example, leaving the house, okay, right? Like, if you don't have kids, here's how you leave the house. I'll leave. And then you leave. That's it. There's nothing else to it than leaving the house. If you've got children, especially multiple children, it's at least a 30-minute process, okay? Right? You've got to tell them that you're about to leave, right? And then you've got to field questions about where you're going and what you're doing there and why you're going there. <laughs> okay, then you've got to get their shoes on. Now it's getting cold. You've got to get their jackets on. And then you've got to realize why oh, one of your kids not wearing pants, okay? <laughs> and then you've got to get them clothes. You've got to get them out the door. You've got to get them to the car. You've got to get them in the car. You've got to get them buckled. And you've got to get them to stay there. Like 30 minutes is being pretty generous, okay? Some of you are like, why does that take 30 minutes? That sounds crazy. Trust me. 30 minutes is a good time, okay? But, but kids, they'll make things so difficult. They'll make things so, so hard. And sometimes that makes it hard to encourage our children because we're so busy trying to get them out the door or get them to school or get them to do what you've asked them to do. And, and it's more of a frustration time with them, an interaction with them than an encouraging one. But kids, they need to be encouraged, they need for their people, the people in their lives, the parents in their lives, the guardians in their lives to encourage them and to show them that they're valued, that they're loved. And in turn, that turns into them becoming more independent. It turns into self-confidence for your kids. And really, that's one of the goals. That's what it, where, where encouragement comes from, right? That's, how, why, that's the reason why we encourage our kids is because we want them to become someone or keep doing something that they should be doing. 
Now, um, when it comes to encouraging, here's what I believe. I believe you can't over-encourage your kids. I believe there's no way you can over-encourage your children in their lives. And I know some people are like, well, you know, I don't really want to encourage them too much because, you know, then, you know, they're, they're going to turn out soft and, you know, they won't learn things in life, learn lessons in life that they could have if I just didn't encourage them as much. And, and I get it. I understand that struggle. But we need to understand the difference between encouragement and rewards. Okay, you can over-reward your child. You can. And we see that in culture all the time, right? Like there's awards for, you know, 19th place. Right? Kids are getting awards for everything. And, and it's sometimes as funny as that is, that's really not doing anything for the confidence in self-sufficiency of a child, right? We're not really doing them any favors when we over-reward them for every single good thing that they do or every single thing, whether it's good or not, in their lives. But when it comes to encouragement, there is no level of encouragement that you could give to your child that would ever be considered too much. Encouragement is so important for your kids. And I know another reservation of that is, you know, especially if you're a parent here and you've got young kids, is they're probably not going to remember what you tell them. Probably it's a struggle I have. Maybe as a dad, we struggle with this more. But sometimes I'm like, especially to my three-year-old, I'm like, he's probably not going to remember a lot of the things I tell him. So it's probably not as worth it as, as it would be maybe when they get older. And, and so that's why sometimes we don't encourage our kids as much. And, and it's true, right? If you think about it, your kids will probably forget 99% of what you tell them, right? They'll probably forget even 99% of what you do with them or do around them. But you know what they'll never forget? Is how you made them feel by the words you spoke to them, right? They might forget what you say, they might forget what you do, but they'll never forget how they feel when they're around you. And that's really the heart of encouragement, is changing the way our kids feel by what we say to them, changing what they feel about themselves, changing what they feel about the world around them, changing what they feel about you, right? Encouragement is such a big part of this. Here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18, how powerful words are. It says, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Like the power of a word, right? It can be a cutting remark. It can be something that destroys a child, but it could also be something that heals. James chapter 3, verse 5 says this, a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Right? Even the smallest word of discouragement can carry your, with your child, be carried with your child for the rest of their lives. It can have such an impact on their lives. But that's also with good encouragement too, right? If, uh, even the smallest word of encouragement can be something that follows them for the rest of their lives as well. And so I think one of the things we have to do is be very cautious about how we're speaking to our children, of what words we're saying to them, and, and how we're handling that whole encouragement piece. Because listen, your child, every single child in this world, one of the most important things to them is to be valued and accepted by the most important people in their lives. Like, isn't that true? Like, as a parent, think about that. You are the most important person in your child's life. They might not never tell you that, right? They might not act like that, especially from like 11 to 20-ish. But think about it, even as adults, right? I'm not going to do this, but if we were to go around the room and ask you who are the, most, the three most important people in your lives are, who would you probably say? Probably one of your parents, maybe both of your parents would be in that list, right? Your parents are so important to you. Even people who don't like their parents, right? Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy that people don't like their parents, Sometimes they become exactly like them. 
right? Your kids want to know that you accept them. Your kids want to know that you value them. They need that. They need that from you. They need that encouragement. And so what can we do to encourage our children? Here's one way. I can encourage my child by being really specific. So really specific in your encouragement compared to just generalities, right? And what I mean by that is when your child does something good or something that you want them to keep doing is you encourage them in something very specific. So, you know, if they, you know, clean their room, instead of saying, hey, good job, bud, you cleaned your room, say, hey, I really appreciate how you took your toys, put them in the box and put them on the shelf. Right? So you're using specifics. Maybe if they play sports, you say, hey, I know you didn't score a goal. I know you didn't you know, do that great in this game, but I'll tell you, you were so fast on that field. You, you helped spread the field with your team. I mean, you did a great job. Right? You were using specifics, talking about things to them that give them ways to highlight what they've done well. See, kids, they want to know what they've done well. They want that pat on the back, just like we do as adults as well. They need to be encouraged in that way. And so when we encourage our children Think about it using specifics. Instead of just saying, hey, great job eating your food tonight for the one time they eat their dinner out of the month, get specific, right? I know you hate vegetables, bud. I know you hate broccoli, and it's so important for you to eat that, and I really appreciate that you ate all that food, right? Start calling things out for them. Start naming things specifically for them. I don't know if you heard this story. Uh, I don't know if it's a recent thing, but it's going online. It's like this meme right now or a story of this guy who, uh, who tweeted this, and he said, uh, when I was in seventh grade, I had no idea what did I want to be when I grew up. And, uh, and he's like, I had a, some ideas of things I could become, like the typical things, but I had no idea. And then one day I had an assignment in English class, and we were supposed to write this story, a creative story, a fiction, uh, and, and turn it in to be graded. And so he turns in his paper, just like all the other kids, and so the next day he gets called to his teacher's desk. And he's thinking... I'm in trouble. I did something stupid, right? And she comes to him and she's like, listen, this paper is incredible. Like you, you are beyond the ability of a seventh grader to write creatively. And so what he did with that is he took that, right? And she said, listen, you could do this for a living. And at that moment, he's like, I never even thought about this. I never thought about going into something with where I'm writing. I don't even like writing, but I'm good at it. And he ended up becoming a New York Times bestselling author of over 10 books. And he attributes his success to a specific word that his teacher spoke to him when he was in seventh grade that opened up the possibilities for him to do something great in his life. See, being specific with our kids carries a weight that we might not as adults think it carries, but it goes so long to call out things in your child's life when they're doing things well in order to encourage them to keep doing those things just as well. So that's one thing we can do. Here's another thing we can do to encourage our children. We can encourage them by being authentic with what we say. Kids are pretty smart. Some here are like, not my kid. He is... <laughs> no, your kids are smart. They're perceptive. They understand things. They can understand when you're being fake with them. Even if they don't express it, they know, right? And part of being authentic with our encouragement comes down to timing, doesn't it? Right? Like, we don't want to encourage our kids for, for everything that they do, even if it's a bad thing. Like, we want to be very timely. We want to be very specific about what we... Like, for example, my, kid plays, my kids play soccer. And my three-year-old, Rylan, he... I mean, poor kid. He struggles. Uh, he's not a slow kid, but he's slow on the field, uh, and, and for like 10% of the game, he does a good job. For the other 90%, he's like trying to stare at the sun through his hands. And, and then he's like picking like grass and he's giving it to me. And I'm just like, 
okay, this is great. Uh, and so I'm very cautious of not to encourage him when he's not doing what he should be doing, um, and, but I try to encourage him when he's doing a great job. However, I've got to balance it, right? And every parent knows this too, is you don't want to only encourage your kid when they're performing well, right? You don't want them to think that you only love them and value them when they're doing a good job in sports or in school or around the house. But we've got to be genuine with our encouragement, we got to not use the same kind of things to talk about every single situation in their life, but be very specific and very genuine with the encouragement that we have with our kids. Here's another thing we can do. I can encourage my child by surprising them with rewards. Probably one of my favorite things to do as a dad is to surprise my kids with something after they've maybe eaten their dinner or they've cleaned up their rooms or they've shared with their siblings or done something that, that we've expected of them and asked them to be like, um, and we've got to be careful about this because it's different than a bribe, right? Like, listen, I'm 100% for bribing your kids to do things. I don't think that's unbiblical. I mean, I think to survive, you've got to bribe them, right? Like, clean your room, I'll give you this. Eat your food, I'll give you that. Uh, but this is a little different. Surprising your kid with the rewards is a little different uh, because it's not telling them you're going to do something when you ask them to do it, right? You're not, you're not going to give them a reward. You just kind of surprise them with it. Right? So if they're nice to their, one of our kids is nice to their brother, like, hey, let's go to the park. You did a great job interacting with your brother today. Hey, you ate all your food. Let's go get some ice cream. Right? And you don't want to do this every day because then it takes away the power of that reward. But, but one of the easiest ways we can encourage our kids and let them know we see them and we value them and we appreciate them is by rewarding them when they're not expecting it. So kids need encouragement. They need us to be encouraging them in life. Here's another thing kids need. It's learning number two. Every child needs to have good role models in their lives. Now, I don't know if you've realized this about parenting, but uh, your child sees every other person around them as a role model. Okay, especially older people, right? They see every big person around them as a potential role model. And kids, especially young kids, are not smart enough yet to differentiate between what a good role model is and a bad role model is. Now, that doesn't mean we have to micromanage who they hang out with, although we should to a certain extent. But I think what that really points to is the, the truth and the reality that we as parents need to start at the home of being good role models for our children. Because like we said before, kids value their parents. Kids love their parents. They want to become like their parents. Right? They want to become like you. Like, what's that saying? Like, even kids who don't like their parents, and we talked about it a little bit ago, but, but what's the saying? It's like, the, the more you try to not become like your parent, what ends up happening? You become exactly like them, right? Every child tries to become like their parent, whether they realize it, whether they think it, whether they consciously do it or not, because you're their role model. You're the big person in their life. You're the one who knows what they're doing, or at least we're the ones that are supposed to be the ones that know what we're doing, but kids can't recognize what a good role model is and a bad role model is. That's why it's so important for us to lead the charge in our homes to be good role models that they need. The people that they want to become like, the people they want to emulate, the people they want to act like. And your kids, they watch everything you do. Newsflash, I mean, they listen to everything you say. Right? Some of you, you're like me and my wife, we find out the hard way that if you don't want something repeated, between your family and their friends, then you can't say it around them, right? Especially in the car, right? You can't call someone something when they cut you off. 
in the road because your kid in the back seat's listening to what you say. And at nighttime, they're going to wonder what, it, what that word was that you called that person in that car, right? That's why you've got to spell those bad words instead until they can spell. And then you can say whatever you want. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't do that. Um, but kids, they're always watching us. They're always listening to us. They're always watching us. And, and we've got to be careful of the lives that we lead for them because they want to become just like who we are. They're watching how we interact with our spouse. They're, they're watching how we interact with our significant others. They're watching how we act when we're frustrated. As they get older, they're watching how we spend our money. They're watching how we spend our free time. They're watching the things that we do. That's just the nature of being a parent. Your kids are going to watch you. That's why we've got to be good role models for them as best as we can. So how can we do that? Here's one way. I can be a good role model for my kids by bringing church home. Even without parenting series like this, this is a huge principle for anyone who's following Christ, is you can't just be a Christian on Sunday mornings. You've got to bring it home with you, right? And your kids, more than ever, need to see you bringing it home with you, okay? It'll confuse the heck out of a child to see you worshiping God on Sundays and talking about how important it is to go to church on Sundays and how it is to hear a message or learn about the Bible and then the other six days looks nothing like what you've talked about. It confuses them. It can be frustrating for a little mind like that to understand what's really a priority and what's really not. But one of the things we can do as parents is to do our best we possibly can of bringing church home with us, how we model it at home right? What we do, again, how we speak, how we interact with other people, how we treat people. I've come to realize this, is, uh, is I, I truly believe this, is my kids are probably going to learn more about God at church than they are at home, okay? And I know as like someone who works at a church, you're probably like, oh, seriously, that's crazy. But I mean, listen, and I think that's for many of us here, you bring your kid to church, they're going to learn about church here, and that's great. Um, but, you know, if you've got multiple children, you don't have a lot of time to just sit down with all of them and explain certain things and, and do what you can do to, to you, know, you know, pour out all of your knowledge about who God is and, and what a Christian really lives, how the Christians live their lives. And so you've got to rely on other people in other places like church, right? And that's okay. That's fine. Um, and, you know, we do our best at nighttime. We read Bible stories and we pray with them and we do all that good stuff. But I've realized and, and I've come to the realization they're probably going to learn more about God here than at home but they're going to learn more about following God at home than anywhere else. They not, might not be getting all the knowledge about who God is at home, but they're going to watch me and they're going to watch my wife interact with one another and live our lives. And it's going to give them a glimpse into how to live for Christ. Maybe not showing them exactly what the Bible says about every single thing, but the way we live our lives is going to go even further. Right? And so it's important, again, to bring church home with us. Here's what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commandments that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, the last part's a little bit of an imagery, right? Like, we don't need to be getting tattoos on our foreheads of our favorite verses. Although, if you want to, that's fine. Do it. Um, but I love the imagery here. Like, look at this. In the beginning, it says, 
You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and all your strength. You must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Right? God's speaking to the parents. He's speaking to the adults. And then he says, repeat them again and again to your children. Don't just keep them inside. Don't just have them on church days. Bring them home. Invest in your children. Teach them how to follow Jesus, not just in words, but in deed and act by the way you live your life. Your kids are watching everything you do. And one day they want to become just like you. What's that Rodney Atkins song? You know, it's, it's that four-letter word. He catches his kid saying in the S word. And he's like, where'd you learn that? And he's like, I've been watching you, Dad. I want to be just like you. Like, we've got to be really careful of what we say and how we interact with our children and what we do with our kids um, if we want to see them grow. So we, we've got to bring church home with us. Uh, second thing we can do is I can be a good role model for my child by letting them watch me grow. This is a big one and probably one of the harder ones because as parents, don't we want to be like the hero for our kids? Like, don't you want to be like the perfect one for your your kids? Like, you want to show them how to live their lives. You want to always be on your A game. Maybe moms struggle with this a little bit more than dads, but but moms oftentimes feel like they've got the pressure and the weight of the world to show up every single day. You don't get a day off in your life to be there for your kids, to do what they need, to, to be at their games, to help them with their schoolwork, to get them where they need to go, to lead them in life. Like, the pressure of a parent is incredible. And sometimes that takes away from them seeing us as we truly are and being a good role model because they don't get to see who we truly are. I say this a lot to people. One of the best things you can do for your child is to make a mistake in front of them, as long as you correct it, right? But to be genuine with your child, to be honest with them. You know, sometimes I'll look at my kids and I'll tell them I messed up. You know, daddy shouldn't have said that. You know, I'm so sorry I yelled at you for that. I lost my temper. I'm so sorry. Or, or maybe I turned around in the car and said, I shouldn't have said that about this guy who cut me off. That's not what he really is, okay? <laughs> right? But being honest with them, being transparent with your kids, letting them know you're human too. Because you know what? When your kid grows up thinking that you're perfect as the mom or dad or the guardian, you know what they think they've got to be when they grow up? Perfect. They think they can't mess up. And now they've got the weight of the world on their shoulders thinking that if they want to be like you, then they've got to have all their ducks in a row all the time and have all their loose ends put together all throughout life. But that's not the way it should be, right? Kids need to see us. They need to see some of the vulnerability in our lives. Now, that's not to say you should go unload emotionally on your three-year-old, okay? Like, like you don't need to talk about your kid about, you know, how your boss you can't stand working for him or you're, these people bother you at work or, or you know, you get angry at something, they, you don't need to unload on your child, but be honest with them. Admit to them when you've made a mistake. Admit to them when you've messed up. It'll go a long way. So we need encouragement, right? We need to encourage our kids. They need to have good role models. And here's a third one, final one. Learning number three, discipline helps your child solve problems. Your kids need discipline. I know some of you are like, oh, I wish he wouldn't have gone there. Like discipline, such an awkward topic, I know. And some of you are like, I can't stand disciplining. I don't like talking about it. I don't like thinking about it. Others of you, you're like, that's right. Kids need discipline, all right? <laughs> like, like you got the paddle out, right? <laughs> but kids need discipline. And I know this is kind of a controversial topic, and I know that not everyone sees the same way on discipline, but, but the reality is, is kids need discipline. We need discipline. All of us need discipline. That's just the way life goes. 
When I was growing up, I went to a private Catholic school for the first until about sixth grade or fifth grade. And, uh, and I, I'm not saying this because I want to knock Catholic churches or Catholic schools at all. Uh, but when I went to school at that time, it was a lot different than it is now. Um, I got books thrown at me. I, I got, had desks thrown at me. I've had, uh, gotten screamed at in front of my classmates. I've gotten embarrassed. I've gotten hit uh, with rulers, with hands, screamed at, hit over my head. Uh, we had this thing in our school called the hot seat. And it was this seat in the hallway that was built like a throne, like a, like a king would sit on this thing. And if you got in trouble and sent to the principal's office, you had to go sit in the hot seat. And so it's this big seat. On, above it, it says hot seat. And you'd have to sit there for like 30 minutes or an hour. And what would happen is this was positioned in the hallway to where when all of your friends were walking to lunch or walking to recess, they'd have to walk by the hot seat and they'd look at you and they'd laugh at you. Okay, like it was intense. <laughs> now, again, I don't say that because I'm knocking them, although, you know, I probably change a couple things about their, their style. Um, but the reason I bring that up is because it didn't work. I still turned out to be a terrible kid in school. <laughs> like I still turned out to be the most disruptive kid, always in trouble, even into, you know, middle school and high school, is always in trouble, always in the principal's office, always getting in trouble. And, and the point is it just didn't work, right? That, that didn't work, and here's why. Because it wasn't discipline. It was punishment, right? It was, it was being punished for doing something. It wasn't di- being disciplined to change. And, and that's the difference that we need to take note of because there is a huge, huge, huge difference between punishing your child and disciplining your child, okay? I heard it this way once. Discipline helps your child solve problems. Punishment makes your child suffer for having problems, I mean, think about that. Discipline helps your child solve a problem. The heart of discipline is to teach them and correct them to solve a problem or do something, change something in their life, right? Punishment by itself does nothing but penalizes your child for having a problem in the first place. Listen, I'm all for punishment. I'm all for consequences as long as it's tied to the the goal of discipline, which is correction, Right? And that's just the way God set it up to be. Even for adults, here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. It says, My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. The goal of discipline for God is, is to correct us, but it's done out of the motive of love. Right? He, God, listen, God doesn't correct us. God doesn't discipline us because he's mad at us. If we sin, if we do something wrong, if we mess up, he doesn't discipline us because he's angry or frustrated at us. He does it because he loves us. He does it because he wants to correct that behavior in us. There might be a consequence. There might be somewhat of a punishment for whatever that is, but the goal is for him to correct that behavior, to change it, right? And that's the same thing as parenting. Our goal is to discipline our children with the motive of love, right? And I know this sounds weird, But your goal with disciplining your child needs to be love, to show them love, to discipline them with as much love as you possibly can. Here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 15. To discipline a child produces wisdom, but a mother is disgraced by an undisciplined child. Have you ever had your kid mouth off to you in Target? And you're just like, oh, You just wait till we get to the car. Like, it's going down, kid, right? But isn't that embarrassing? Like, anyone, like, that's that's mortifying for me when my kids do something like that in public. 
But it comes back to the discipline piece, right? Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with a discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Discipline is so big. Even for adults, we need discipline. We need to be corrected. But the goal of discipline needs to be that they're changing their ways, and it's got to be based in love if we want it to be effective. Okay, so how can we discipline our kids, right? This is the moment you've all been waiting for. How should we discipline our children? And, and listen, instead of me standing up here and telling you how you need to discipline your kids, um, I'm just going to share you with a little bit of what we do in our household to help discipline our children. And, and I think it's, it's hard because every kid's different, right? Every child is different. Even in the same household, you've got to discipline kids a different way because maybe one responds a certain way and the other doesn't. And so I want to give you just a little glimpse into how we do it to maybe give you some ideas of, of really uh, ways to t- take this in your life. So they're not on the screen, they're not in your notes, but here's one of the first things we make sure we do in our house when it comes to discipline. The first and foremost, we make sure to never take our day out on our kids. I think this is the line that every parent has to draw is, listen, we're, we get frustrated at work. I get it. Um, when the Hokies lose, I'm heated, right? When the Bills lose, I'm like a different person. Um, and, and listen, is, is sometimes as goofy as that is, uh, we can get frustrated to the point to where our kids who conveniently bring out the worst in us can be at the wrong place at the wrong time. And it's very, very, very easy to lose your temper on one of your kids for something that has nothing to do with them. And so when it comes to disciplining your child, you need to make sure that you're not disciplining them out of the frustration that you have in your own life. Right? Like, it's not your kid's fault that you can't stand working at the place you work at. Right? It's not your child's fault that your team didn't cover the spread and you lost a ton of money. (laughs) Okay? Right? Like, we need to understand that if we want to effectively discipline our kids, we can't discipline them with the intention on hurting them and doing it out of an overflow of the anger in our own heart. So one of the ways we are very particular about this is we make sure when we discipline our children that we're not doing it when we're angry, right? And so, um, you know, if you're going to physically discipline your kids, not to do it with the intention of hurting them, right? Like you don't want to hurt your child. Remember, the goal is to correct them. You want to show them what they did wrong, but then correct them to do something that's right. And I'll just be transparent with you. Uh, at the barber house, we do spank. Uh, we do pinch. But when we do it, we're very careful to do it as calmly as we can. Right? We're not coming at our kids angry. We're not coming at them with the intention on hurting them. Uh, now, we don't want it to feel good, right? Like, we don't want it to be like something they enjoy. Uh, but we want it to be something that they're going to use in order to change their behavior. Okay, and so super important not to take your day out on your children. Here's another one. Uh, Talk about discipline before you discipline your kids and be consistent with it, right? You don't want to discipline your kids for something they don't know is wrong. Now, this isn't black and white. There's certain things you do have to discipline your kids for, uh, even if they don't know what it is. But something that's really important in our house is making sure our children understand why they're being disciplined and knowing beforehand that what they've done is wrong. Right, so a couple weeks ago, I walk into the family room, and there's my two oldest kids with markers coloring on our couch, okay? Now, listen, it's not their fault. We have a white couch, (laughs) okay? Don't ask. I don't know why we did this. Um, We actually have two white couches (laughs) and a white ottoman, which is even worse, but they were coloring on it with their markers, and so badly, I just wanted to run in and lose it, 
Okay, I was like, I won't say what I thought in my mind, but um, in my mind, I was like, how can they not know that this is wrong, right? How can a kid not know that this is not something they should be doing? But then I thought, maybe they don't know. <laughs> like, they're five and they're three. Maybe they honestly don't know that this is wrong. And so I came up and approached him and I was like, hey, uh, this was a really bad decision. You're not in trouble. I'm not going to yell at you. You're not getting spanked for this. But I need to let you know that this was wrong to do. You cannot be coloring on furniture, okay? Especially the white ones. The blue one, I don't care. Do whatever you want with that, right? Just not the white ones, because then we look trashy when people come over. Um, <laughs> so, so, you know, let them know beforehand why they're being disciplined. Uh, I'll end with this one because we're running out of time. Uh, when it comes to discipline in our house, there's no good cop and bad cop. I think this can be one of the most confusing things to children as they grow up. Oftentimes it's the dad who's the disciplinarian and the mom gets to coddle, or it's the other way around where the mom's the disciplinarian and the father kind of stands in the back and he's like, oh, what she's doing, right? Like, right? like we, we play that game, good cop, bad cop. I think that confuses our kids incredibly, right? And I think it's important, especially if you're in a household where there's two parents there, to make sure you're sharing the load of disciplining your kids. You're both on the same page of what you're going to do when those times come, but also to make sure that your kid's not growing up thinking that dad's the mean one and mom's the nice one, or mom's the mean one and dad's the one that gives me things. See, discipline is hard, encouragement is hard, parenting is hard, but our kids need those things if we want them to succeed. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, for everything you give to each of us. God, thank you for encouraging us. God, thanks for saying things to us through your word, through situations in our lives where you, you let us know that you value us and that we matter to you. God, thanks for sending Jesus into this world to be the perfect role model for us to follow. And God, for being someone who disciplines us, even though we might not want it, you discipline us not out of anger, not out of frustration, but out of love, because you want to see us correct our behavior and do what is right. God, help us do that as parents, as guardians, as aunts, uncles, as teachers, as babysitters, as volunteers for kids, any one of us who have interactions with kids, help us to do those things and help us bring these children to where we know you want them to be. And God, give us grace for when we mess up, because we know we're going to mess up. Be sufficient in the places we're not. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, quick, before you leave, I know we ran a little late this morning, but if you've got a child, maybe if they're not over there in the kids' area, we were serious. We actually have a bag of candy for them this year, so make sure to go ahead and get that. Um, we've got a lot of tables out in the lobby, a lot of stuff going on at the end of the year. We've got a women's retreat. We've got stuff going on to support the Christmas store this Christmas, uh, so go ahead and check that out. Also, I want to plug this. We do this every year, but Kroger Gives is a big deal for us at this church, and it's something you can do if you shop at Kroger, where you can link your card to Blue Ridge Church. Uh, you don't have to pay anything. You don't have to give anything extra, but it's just whenever you spend money at Kroger, they send money to us uh, in the form of, you know, giving. So we always encourage people, if you do that, uh, to consider Blue Ridge Church. But hope you have a great rest of your week and see you next Sunday. Thank you.